Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the Iranian Soleimani Street Theater, American Investment Empowers China's very special guest, Kevin Freeman, joining us, AOC and Bernie, The Revolution is Coming, and Getting Off the Pot Impeachment Bill in the U.S. Senate. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and we are doing the show remotely from California. So appreciate the help of my producer, Matt Stoker, and all of the RNCN network to enable this show to go forward, even while visiting family in California. In the first five today, I want to focus on a street theater that is happening in Iran and actually is manipulating some of American media. After the killing by American forces on January 3rd of the Iranian general Soleimani, there have been videos available all over the internet, played on network television of masses of people in the streets in Iran sobbing and lamenting the death of a supposedly beloved Iranian General Soleimani. And so many people, in fact, even the American media, have been drawn in by it, have commented how they have they saw tears in the eyes of the Ayatollah as this great man was laid to rest, making clear, of course, when I say great man, is how they're describing him. We talked about him yesterday and the many on this show on many just extraordinarily heinous, violent actions he has taken, responsible for the death of thousands of people including the deaths of more than 500 American military members and the maiming of many more. This was a truly uh, an, an enemy of America, an enemy combatant. But I want to get to the street theater point just because I think it's important to understand that you might think in America, he was the, the uh, loved, deeply beloved by his, um, by his people. But here are the facts. There is a journalist, an Iranian journalist, who had a piece in the Washington Post yesterday and she essentially uh, is writing about, her name is Masi Alinajad. So this is a journalist, a woman, Alinajad is her last name. And she wrote a piece in the Washington Post saying, do not believe this street theater going on in Iran. Yes, they may be showing hordes of people in the streets and sobbing and mourning over the death of this supposed hero. But she says, this is the government of Iran arm twisting forcing people to come, closing down schools, closing down businesses, closing down shops, threatening people, forcing them into the streets to give the appearance of this idea that supposedly this man was so deeply beloved. It reminded me of something I wanted to share with you, a very quick story. So within the last year or so, my husband and I attended a fundraiser in Dallas where we live, and it was for a Christian charity who is, that is reaching out to Iranian Christians. In fact, in, in this entire world, and percentage-wise, Christianity is growing fastest in Iran. Many people are converting to Christianity in that country. This charity was trying to bring, to support the Iranian Christians who have to hide from the government, hide from the mullahs, in order to practice their Christian faith. One story this commentator, this, the head of this group, told at the fundraiser was having been in Iran during the time that some of the uh, Mullahs and other leaders in Iran were leading protests in the streets, chanting death to America, death to America. And you thought if you were watching on television from afar, you thought that there were literally thousands and thousands of Iranians in the streets agreeing with the mullahs, agreeing with the Ayatollah, chanting death to America. This guy told us in this meeting in Texas, describing having been there in Iran watching this, said that the people were, again, arm twisted, forced into the streets, threatened by their government, people very fearful of the government in Iran. They're not about to fail to follow whatever the Ayatollah and the Mullahs tell them to do. But in this pr particular protest, he was describing, he actually played it on a screen so you could watch it. And they're not chanting in English, of course, they're chanting in Persian, but the mullahs are chanting death to America. The people in the crowd 
are supposed to be repeating what the mullahs are saying. But what the people in the crowd were saying instead was USA and death to Russia. Point is, even when the mullahs can get people into the streets to make an appearance of a big protest and the hatred of the USA, the simple fact was even there, the people in Iran, the people in the streets that you see in the television shops, they are not supporting the mullahs. They're not agreeing with the mullahs. And in this case, back to what this woman is saying is, do not get sucked in by what the mullahs are trying to do. It is simply street theater. The Iranian people, literally millions of the Iranian people do not support the mullahs, do not support what the Iranian government does, do not want to be seen as supporters. And very much, in fact, as protests have been ongoing in Iran, literally for over a year and a half now, many people in Iran in the streets chanting to get rid of the Islamic majority government that they have, the Islamic, the very repressive Islamic government in Iran. So to wrap up our first five today, just understand, like we see street theater in America all the time, protests are not legitimate, not real, but the media would have you believe they're real, right in Iran, where, where Iran's trying to portray to the world that everyone in their country is just beside themselves, including, by the way, the Iranian government having first graders having to write do poses sobbing over the death of this this awful man and writing letters of outrage to America. They have school children doing this. It is just street theater. Yes, I'm sure some of the hardline mullahs, the actual the people committed to the Iranian constitution, which we talked about at length yesterday, the Iranian constitution is a jihadist constitution. Since 1979, for 40 years, the Iranian government has been committed to the constitution they created in 1979, which is itself a jihadist document, a commitment to follow the jihadist teachings uh, that are rooted in Islam, rooted in the Quran, rooted in the teachings of, of Muhammad. And so what you have truly probably is a small number of hardliners actually saddened by the loss of this man and many people in the streets simply because the government made them be there. Last point this woman made, again, this Iranian journalist, Alinejad, said she's been receiving, receiving the thousands, in the thousands of videos, text messages, emails from people in Iran literally celebrating and thanking America for taking out this evil person. And that, my friends, is today's first five. As I mentioned before we start the show today, we have a guest joining us. He is, uh, I'm in California and he's joining us by phone. I want to tell you a bit about him before he comes on. Our guest today is Kevin Freeman. He's been on the show at least a couple of times. I think when it was back when it was still on Salem Radio, but it's great to have him here joining us on America Can We Talk? And he is by background, he is an author. He wrote Secret Weapon and Game Plan. He's also the host of, the founder of, a fabulous show program called Economic War Room. Economic War Room covers all sorts of issues related to the basic idea of protecting America from economic terrorism. He, Kevin Freeman, is a leading expert on the issues of economic warfare and financial terrorism. He is highly regarded in Washington, D.C. He's consulted for and briefed members of the U.S. House and the Senate present and past CIA, DIA, FBI, SEC, Homeland Security, Justice Department, and other local state and law enforcement officials because he truly is an expert on the idea of this economic warfare. And the reason I wanted to have him join me us today uh, is because he had something on the show recently that I want to ask him to explain uh, to all of us, to share what the idea is, and uh, have him really help all of us understand the many ways in which America can be attacked, even though it's not a military attack. So without further ado, I believe we have Kevin Freeman. Hello, sir. Hello, Debbie. Thanks so Glad much for joining here. me. Well, you had a piece on your um, program. Uh, you were talking about what um, is happening in America, concern that you and others have expressed about the idea of United States money being potentially invested into China through retirement funds and um, other uh, vehicles. So I want to have you just, if you would, give us a the deep explanation. What is it the concern is, what is the concern, what's happening in America that 
causes a concern about American money being invested in China. Well, Debbie, if you can just imagine back to the the middle of the Cold War, the early 1980s, and the Soviet Union was threatening us. They were building the largest military on the planet. Uh, there were regular discussion of whether or not the freedom of the United States could survive. Maybe the Soviet model was superior. Uh, President Carter in the late uh, 70s and, and just before President Reagan was elected was telling us that uh, we may not have an American century. We may not be the superpower. Just imagine if in the middle of that, the average American was taking their savings and investing it in Russia, in the Soviet Union. How detrimental that would have been to exposing the failure of communism. And unfortunately, what we're seeing happen right now, as we're in the midst of an economic war with China, uh, one that no one had recognized prior to President Trump, really, at least not in the administration, we're funding the Chinese. We're funding their persecution of the Uyghurs. We're funding their organ transplants. We're funding their uh, surveillance of their people. We're funding their Belt and Road Initiative where they're stealing intellectual property. We're funding all of that, and we're just not aware of it. Okay. Uh, That is obviously deeply troubling. And yes, you are so right. America, more Americans, because of President Trump's actions as president, more aware that China is an enemy of America, that China is really one of the the major power to watch as it's very expansionist. But how specifically is America funding those bad things that China is doing? Well, the Chinese have been very clever in that they have uh, put themselves into our stock markets in such a way that there is something close to, to $2 trillion dollars of money that Americans hold that's invested in these Chinese companies that we think, wow, what a great opportunity. I want to make money in China. And so people have bought them actively, whether it's a pension fund or individuals or uh, the thrift savings plan of the United States. And, And it's just become, oh, I have to invest in China. China is a great opportunity. And yet that is the source of their capital uh, for a really failing economic system uh, we've been propping it up yep. because we keep wanting to invest in, in good opportunities. So, Kevin, um, I love that you're explaining all this. I want to uh, go to kind of two points about it. One is that some of this seems to have been occurring with respect to the military's uh, savings plan, the thrift savings plan, I think it's called. Within the military, while you're serving, you can put money into thrift savings. And thrift savings plans themselves there, that is not uh, money being directed by the individual member of the military. It's money put into a program, which is then invested to help these, uh, these service members have some assets when they get out. So the thrift savings plans are involved in investing in China. Is that right? Well, yeah, and it's insidious. It's very clever. It's sneaky how they did it. Uh, the thrift savings plans decided that they were going to switch the index that they were invested in from the EFA index uh, which is developed nations. It's essentially uh, Europe, Australasia, uh, and the Far East that did not include China uh, to what is known as the MSCI All Country World Index, which is Morgan Stanley and Capital International formed an index to measure the values of stocks around the world. And the All Country World Index, the Chinese lobbied to get the weighting of Chinese securities in that index quadrupled over the last year. And then they then there was this effort to put the thrift savings plan out of the Europe, uh, Australasia, Far East investments into the all-country index. And so all of a sudden, if you're a service member and you have an international uh, aspect to your portfolio, you want to own any foreign stocks, you're being forced to own Chinese stocks among them which is just unacceptable to me because our servicemen and women are literally funding our adversary and they're using that money that's developed to develop weapons that might be used against us. It's just unconscionable. I love your analogy at the beginning that it would be as though during World War II, American investment dollars were going in to strengthen Germany or strengthen Japan. We would then we would see it clearly. We'd say, my gosh, that's terrible. We've got to pull that back. But I want to ask you, who is it? So the thrift savings plan wanted to switch the index they were going to go to, but that is that's just a, 
the thrift saving plan just has a board and the board decided or was that a governmental decision? Like who makes a decision like that? Well, there is a board and they decide, but they have a consultant and the consultant says that it would be wise to include emerging markets and we don't want to be picking the emerging markets. So there was a recommendation from the consultant. Now, I cannot rule out Chinese influence. We know that the Chinese have bought up uh, parts of Hollywood to influence Hollywood. We know that they put Confucius Institutes on college campuses to influence higher education. So it is entirely possible that the Chinese have spent money, lobbied, uh, bribed, whatever, in order to get this decision to take place, because literally it's going to move billions of dollars uh, into Chinese coffers. So the the money is certainly there, and it is certainly in line with what they would do. But it's either an innocuous uh, failure to really understand what's going on by the consultants, or it is a purposed, planned intrusion by the Chinese government. Uh, either way, the net result is the same. Patriotic employees of the government, patriotic retirees of the government, patriotic servicemen and women, and patriotic veterans will be investing in Chinese securities where there is no transparency. We don't have the ability to go and audit them like the U.S. companies are subject to audit. They've been excluded from that. They may not have any shareholder rights. They may not have any of the protections that we build in for American companies that are required when you make an investment. The Chinese are literally getting the money, and we may be getting nothing of value in return. It is truly shocking. And I also, on this particular point, with respect to China, I think for a long time, Americans thought that if we invested in China, we would help move China forward into the modern era, that China would become a more open market, that actually investing really was going to help the people of China because they would be, you know, they have more wherewithal, there'd be more abundance in their economy and their stock market. So we're really just kind of helping China move forward into the modern era, maybe maybe pushing back against a communist control over the economy, maybe helping move toward free markets. But that has not been the trend in China. It has not been the reaction of American involvement with Chinese companies. It's been exactly the opposite. And I know you talked about this a lot in your show. If you could just briefly say or comment on the idea that the investment in China is really detrimental to the people of China because the Chinese government is actually becoming it is still a repressive communist government that is it doesn't really benefit the people of china like americans thought it would is that right well that's absolutely correct debbie for example uh one of the investments uh, on the index is hike vision surveillance cameras and hike vision surveillance cameras is monitoring the chinese people using the social credit scores uh, controlling the people wherever they can, put in the concentration camps that are persecuting the Muslim population there known as the Uyghurs. Uh, it really is bad for the Chinese people. We've taken them not into modern society, we've taken them to postmodern society and, and really dystopian society because now they are literally, imagine Adolf Hitler with the ability to monitor every citizen, every camera on every street, you know, more cameras than there are people uh, and, and controlling. If you say the wrong thing, your bank account gets cut off or you're not allowed to uh, get on an a airplane or a train or buy food. I mean, it literally is that level of control. And again, it's American technology and the technological breakthroughs that we've had combined with American money that is funding this, and we've been hurting the Chinese people. Worst, worst case of it is the forced organ transplanting that's taken place oh. and a lot of the money for that has come again from americans and americans who would absolutely not want to have the money go toward any of those items you just mentioned i want to ask you about i saw that marco rubio republican senator from florida and gene shaheen democrat from new hampshire came together put together a bill in the senate essentially trying to force or to bring about the result that the their savings plans could not be uh, invested in securities on mainland on the mainland China exchange. I mean, they're trying to legislate a solution to this, and I actually don't even know the answer. I don't know if you do, but where does that legislation sit? Do you know? It's not been voted on, um, as far as I know. It's it's not it's not passed into law. Certainly, it is something I think the president would sign, and it's very 
very needed legislation. You mentioned it's bipartisan. It makes all the sense in the world. But the Chinese lobby is a very powerful lobby inside Washington, and this is literally cutting off billions of dollars. So they will oppose this with everything that they possibly can. So it is something we need to do. The other thing we need to do is we need to require that if you list your stock on an American stock exchange like Chinese companies have done, that you have to be subject to the same transparency rules. You have to be subject to the same audit and everything else as an American company so that you're on equal footing. Otherwise, you don't get listed. And these are simple things that we can and should do that would protect the American investor. It's actually shocking that we don't do that, that we have all these laws. Americans are very aware of all the regulation involved when you want to list your company, your stock on the New York Stock Exchange or any of the, any of the stock exchanges, all the requirements of transparency and, and uh, audits. And, and, and you, know, you are supervised, in, in essence, by the SEC, the federal government. And yet we have Chinese companies already known to be, uh, you know, we don't know much about them. We can't control them. We don't know whether they have fairness to shareholders, we don't know anything they do, and we don't impose our own laws on those companies, and yet they can list themselves on our stock exchange. That's truly shocking. Truly shocking. Great idea you had to require them to do that. One other thing I know I, I want to honor our time commitment today, I want to be sure to give you a chance to talk about. You came up with something I just love, and it was the idea that you, uh, being who you are, you're extremely knowledgeable, you're one of the world's experts on on the um, on just cyber, on uh, economic warfare, financial terrorism, you came up with an idea of helping American uh, stock advisors or financial advisors look at the portfolio investments they hold and help them recognize whether or not the investments they're doing are they are committing their clients' money to are also investments that involve helping China. I probably didn't describe that nearly as well as you can. So would you please explain your, I think it's called your NSIC Institute. Can you explain that? Right. Well, there there's a problem somewhere between 15 and $30 trillion around the world that's invested in so-called socially responsible investments, mostly related to green energy, climate change issues, and so forth. Uh, our idea is that we've, we're training financial advisors who want, who have clients that want to be patriotic with their investments. They don't want to be funding China. They want to be uh, funding American investments. And so they, rather than telling them what to invest in, we offer to train their advisors so the advisors can work with them and find the right investments for that particular individual. Because there's no one-size-fits-all in investing, and, and you might not want to invest in certain things depending on your age and, and how much uh, money you have and so forth. So we train the advisors how to look for, look at client portfolios and find if there's anything that's anti-patriotic and then also to find investment ideas that are patriotic so that it preserves American culture, American national security and so forth. And the, the traditional values that we all hold deal, dear, which would be free enterprise, free markets, uh, belief in God in a Judeo-Christian uh, format, and strong national security. And I want my investments to be directed in that area because I don't want my money working against what I believe in my heart. And and that's basically the idea. NSIC.org is the uh, website, or you can learn more at economicwarroom.com. Well, you just answered. The last question I was going to say is I would love to have our listeners, I want to encourage our listeners to watch your your all of your programs, fabulous programs. Uh, and so it is economicwarroom.com. If they want to find you, they can go to Economic War Room and find all of the videos you've done, all the interviews you've done that share so much, just a wealth of information Americans really do want to know. And also to encourage our listeners, uh, in fact, I think we were on my show before we were talking about your first book, Secret Weapon, um, and then you have another book, Game Plan. And in any, in any case, I want to encourage our listeners to really follow you as a thought leader uh, in the arena of economic warfare, financial terrorism. It's kind of a whole warfare it's not military, and it's not um, it's not visible to most people, but very impactful to America. And I love that you bring those uh, issues to light in America. So, Kevin Freeman, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Debbie. It's a pleasure to be here. Love to have you. Thank you so much. I tell you, folks, this guy, Kevin Freeman, he is one really smart guy, number one. He's also, he raises issues that 
if you go to economicwarroom.com and play some of the videos, you realize there are a lot of things you didn't know, but you really should have known. And he explains them in ways that everyone can follow. He has great guests explaining the issues that he follows. And honestly, he is, at least as far as I'm aware, the only American I know working very hard to make sure Americans are aware of economic war as another form of war engaged in by our enemies against us, which we sometimes don't even know about. So uh, I want to turn next. I, I mentioned at the start of the show, you know, I'll tell you my topics for the day. I mentioned that uh, AOC and Bernie and the revolution. I will tell you that this morning I went and listened to um, on YouTube. I went and listened to a, the warm up speeches given at a Bernie Sanders rally in Los Angeles in December of this year. So it's, you know, of, of 2019. So just a few weeks ago, December 19th. And there are some clips I grabbed of what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had to say to this crowd. I'm gonna ask Matt, the wonderful producer, to play them in just a moment, but I wanna plant this seed. When Barack Obama ran for president, and he said, within days before the election in November, 2008, he said, we're just a few days away from fundamental transformation of America. A lot of people dismissed that language as you know, kind of hyperbole, or you know how when you're making campaign speeches, you have to really be out there a little bit. You can't be boring. You have to be using catchy phrases. You have to be, you know, really kind of jazzing up the crowd, energizing the crowd, and saying, you know, making statements that maybe don't really mean anything but they sound exciting for the crowd to react to. But obviously what Barack Obama meant in 2008, when he said, we're just a few days away from fundamental transformation of America, he really meant it. He really meant the fundamental transformation of America away from the founding ideas of America they had within the first two years when he had, the Democrats had the White House and the Senate and the House. We had, I think what caught many people by surprise, the Democrats actually passed the first big bill on the way to socialized medicine. They passed Obamacare. They wanted to do a bigger bill, the complete takeover of the healthcare system a little bit backtrack, weren't too sure how America would react to that, but they wove into the creation of Obamacare intentional pitfalls, intentional shortcomings, so that Obamacare was really, when passed at the time, was designed to fail. It was intended to be unworkable. It was intended to cause millions of Americans who weren't being forced into Obamacare, it forced them to change or lose their health insurance. It forced, in fact, at the time, even the architects of Obamacare recognized that the requirements they put in place in Obamacare would delegitimize, would actually make illegal a vast number of private health care insurance policies held in this country. It was intentionally designed to destroy the private health care industry, the health insurance industry. It was intended, intended to fail. This is an example of what I mean when, when Barack Obama told us he intended to fundamentally transform America, he meant it. He intended to vastly increase the dependency state, the size and number of people relying on the federal government for food stamps, for housing assistance, for welfare assistance. It was intended not just to be nice, it was intended to undermine that self-reliant, can-do American spirit that has been the core of the American identity, one of the core pieces of America's identity since our founding. He was intending to build the dependency class. He vastly increased the power of the federal government, the bureaucracies across the federal government under the control of Barack Obama vastly increased the regulatory control over this country. It is why the EPA exploded 
in regulations, not just a number of regulations, but the scope, the intent, the depth, the purpose of federal regulation intended to strangle private businesses, intended to take more and more control of the American economy into the hands of the federal government. Barack Obama intended to weaponize the federal government against the uh, people. He intended to have the IRS undermine the conservatives in this country to stall the creation of tea parties and other organizations seeking 501c3 or 501c4 status. He intended to use the IRS as a weapon against those political people he viewed as political enemies. He intended the gun running operation, the the, uh, fast and furious operation, because it was intended ultimately to undermine the Second Amendment undermined the notion of gun manufacturers in America being free to manufacture guns and sell them. He intended that dec- that harm to America's Second Amendment, that undermining the Second Amendment in Fast and Furious. He intended the weakening of America's military by en- engaging in a vast reduction in the amount of money spent on the military. And on top of that, Good word for it here, but you know the the cluttering of the 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 distortion of the mission of the American military to defend America. That's their primary mission to be our defenders. So he introduced all sorts of social engineering and in terms of what he allowed or required in the military. And so we had a battle in the military over whether a tax dollars should pay for transgendering surgery for members of the military. He treated the military like it was a social experiment instead of the fighting force it was intended to be to keep this country safe. As you watch Barack Obama abroad, he intended to send a signal of American deference and American surrender to the United Nations, to the UN agenda, to the UN climate agenda. He intended to send the message to Islamic majority countries that America was not going to stand in their way. He worked on the Iranian deal, which resulted in empowering the mullahs in Iran, enabling them to develop nuclear weapons. At Not that we are sure they did that, but the deal, the Iranian deal, intended to allow the Iranians more free reign in, de- in their quest to develop nuclear weapons while under the guise of pretending that the Iranian deal actually was going to stop the Iranians from getting nuclear weapons. We have Barack Obama bowing in submission to Islamic leaders around this world. I'm making the point before I get to AOC and Bernie Sanders. When a leftist tells you they intend to fundamentally transform the country, as Barack Obama did, didn't even get to the notion of how much damage he did to race relations in this country, how much damage he did to marriage and the family and the intact family unit. When leftists tell you they're going to bring radical change, they mean it. Now I want to play for you what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had to say in her, she was just a warm-up act to Bernie Sanders in Los Angeles in December 2019. Here is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And California, are you all ready for the revolution? But I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm so thrilled to come to the heart of where we're going to change this country. Because what we're here to do and what this this campaign is about, what this larger movement is about, is establishing a loving society in the United States of America. Because what a loving society is, is an advanced society. just society, a loving society, is one that guarantees health care to all people. I want to ask you to wear out your shoes. I want to ask you to create art for this, to paper the streets for this, to give 10 bucks for this, to knock on a door for this, to do whatever you can for this, because this is what revolution looks like 
Folks, I put the link to her speech on my website, americacanwetalk.org. And I hate to encourage you to listen to it, but I think you should for the same reason that America should have taken more, taken stock, been more aware of what President Obama meant back in 2008 when he talked about fundamental transformation. In this short segment that you heard of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez introducing Bernie Sanders, she used the word revolution. She used the word revolution over and over and over and over in just introducing Bernie Sanders. She talked about revolution meaning, and for example, and she gave examples. It means free healthcare for everybody. It means free education for everybody. It means the Green New Deal. She talked about how Bernie Sanders is the only one committed to the whole Green New Deal, which if you don't know yet, the whole Green New Deal has about 1% to do with the environment and 99% to do with the socialist slash communist takeover of this country. It guarantees a job to everyone, guarantees decent housing. This is a complete takeover of the American government by the radical left. In this speech also, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez promised a radical realignment of our priorities. She criticized building our military back up. She criticized the idea that, that we are putting more money into making sure, you know, in the era, in the era of Islamic aggression, of Iran threatening America, of Islamic countries, many of them causing instability around this world, she's arguing that it was a really bad sign about America that we actually want to increase our funding of our military. I wanna say again, I think Bernie Sanders is a menacing threat to America. And he is actually, it is more than possible that he will win the Democrat primary. I, I understand that Biden is ahead. Biden is up right now. I think that, you know, he's got so many Democrat voters who are saying, I'll take Biden because he's at least not a rabid socialist. I mean, he's like everybody, the Democrat voters saying everybody else on the, on the stage in the Democrat debates is so crazy that I, I got to settle for Biden. I'm telling you, Bernie Sanders numbers are going up. What he's proposing is going up. What you saw at that rally, if you watch the video, literally people hysterically excited on their feet, clapping and cheering and just, I mean, could not be more excited. I'll plant two last little points about this before I turn to my last story for today. Two last little points. AOC is very successful in conveying socialist slash communist takeover of America as a means of expressing love. In fact, she used the expression over and over that she was quoting this, uh, quoting somebody else, but she got to the point of saying that real love, no, real justice, real justice is love in society or love is justice in society. She was making the point, trying to make the point that if you really believe in justice and you really believe in love, you must support Bernie Sanders and the radical left's agenda. She's selling communism as love. She's selling socialism as justice. She's getting, working the crowd up into cheering her for arguing that turning to radical big government controlled, <clears throat> massive wealth redistribution, massive taxation to pay for all sorts of new programs that those decisions, those policies represent love and justice. That's what she is arguing and the people were buying it. She also hit on the, on the argument the left is making over and over and over again about racism. She's planting the seeds of racial tension, racial un injustice. She is planting the seeds in the minds of people listening that America is a country rampant with racism. The only way you can possibly save America from the racism they are claiming exists is this, you know, out of control racism is to vote for Bernie Sanders who will somehow make it all right again. 
folks, I'm not saying there's no racism in America. I'm saying the left uses the argument of it, it grotesquely embellishes and exaggerates the degree of the problem of racism in this country. And it uses the argument of racism. Leftists do, Bernie Sanders does, AOC does, uses the argument of racism to argue to the American people that they must vote for radical government-controlled society run by the leftists, that that will somehow fix racism. I cannot urge you strongly enough to understand what they are arguing for. These are deep, serious, serious threats to America's well-being. Obama did a lot of harm to America in, in eight years, and we've had a reprieve from the leftism, the, the government-controlled society mission of the left under President Trump. But we're coming up on election in less than a year, and I'm telling you, the left is very, very determined to take back the leftist control of this country. And whether you have Bernie Sanders winning the campaign or some other leftist winning the campaign, you're having the minds of Americans filled with lies about America, lies about the goodness of America. In fact, she had a quote in there where she was saying, America is not a just society. We're very close to being a fascist society. This is actually what she is planting the seeds. And of course, Bernie Sanders comes on stage and says it all again. So this is a very serious segment and a very serious point. America better be awake to what the left is telling our people. We better be on board with the idea that it is a job not just of the candidates, not just of the elected officials. It's a job of everyday Americans in your everyday life to speak up for this country, to counter the lies of the left in your daily conversation, in your conversation with your friends, to point out that America is uniquely, extraordinarily the greatest country ever to bless this earth. Not perfect, but the greatest and most extraordinary country to bless this earth. Which leads me to something I want to say about my show before I get to my last topic. Three things about this show. Number one, I do a weekly newsletter. If you like this show, I, I invite you, I encourage you to go to my website, americacanwetalk.org, and click on the subscribe button. I do it once a week. It is a free newsletter. I do it once a week on Fridays. I send out a listing, a linking to all the stories I talked about, all the interviews. It's a great way to stay connected, and it's a great way to catch up if you miss some of the shows, and it's a great way to share the show. You can forward my email. You get it every Friday. I never share the email list. I, it is not ever sold. It's private just to me, but it's a way to share this show. I'd love if you just subscribe to the show, number one. Number two, whatever social media outlet you are listening to this show on, whatever you are, wherever you are, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast aggregators, please like this show on Facebook. Subscribe to this channel on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Help to grow the energy of the show. This is a vital, vital argument, a vital time in America to have voices like mine and others speaking up for the preservation of America. That's what this battle is about, is the preservation of America. I urge you to follow me on social media, help out on social media in every way you can. And third, this show runs entirely on donations. This is an enormously important time if you can support this show with a one-time donation or with a recurring donation, I cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that. Again, on my website, americacanwetalk.org, on the very homepage, you hit the donate button. You can make a one-time donation or a very helpful recurring donation because the whole five plus years I've done this show, I have done it based on donations. I don't have advertisers. I don't have advertisements clogging my website, clogging my YouTube channel, clogging anything I do. I rely on donors and I would love and appreciate so much if you could help donate to this show. Finally, my last topic for today in quick summary because we're pretty much out of time here, but you know, the House voted to impeach President Trump, as you well know, I'm sure you do, on December 19th two articles of impeachment. And so after the impeachment vote happened, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, said, hey, you know what, on second thought, I'm not going to send these articles of impeachment over to the Senate. 
as you likely know, the House votes to impeach. The Senate has the constitutional authority to hold a trial and vote to remove or not vote not to remove. So Pelosi thinks she's going to stall this impeachment thing in the House. She's saying, I'm not going to send it over to the Senate until they agree on, on a fair trial process. What she means is she wants to hold this impeachment over the president's head from now probably to election day and after he wins re-election, even after that, she wants to hold it over his head. She is using this ridiculous, unfounded impeachment vote as a means of hurting and destroying this president. That is the purpose. That is the purpose of Nancy Pelosi's action. It has nothing to do with trying to find a fairer set of rules in the Senate. She knows the president won't get impeached in the Senate so she just wants to hold on to this as a political, as a media bargaining power thing. If she can continue to say President Trump, Trump who was impeached. So fortunately for the president in the Senate, Senator Hawley, Republican of Missouri, introduced a resolution. It's got numerous co-sponsors. The resolution in the Senate essentially says this. It, it says basically that if the House of Representatives has voted on impeachment, which they have, you know they have, if they do not notify the Senate or otherwise provide the articles of, of impeachment to the Senate within 25 calendar days from the date of the adoption of the impeachment. So within 25 days of the impeachment, which gets us to January 13th, the resolution Josh Hawley's put out said, if you don't get this, the articles of, of uh, the impeachment over here, we're going to deem them as though they were exhibited, we're going to deem them to be before the Senate, you know, basically in, in, on the Senate's uh, roster to take care of. And there's going to be, it will be in order, says the resolution, it'll be in order for any senator to offer a motion to dismiss such articles with prejudice for failure by the House of Representatives to pr prosecute the articles. And he makes a brilliant point, Holly made the point that if you are just a private citizen and a prosecutor, moves to indict you, you know, goes to a grand jury, gets an indictment, he's got charges to bring against you, and he brings the charges, but then he won't take you to trial. He just wants you to live out there in Netherland, you never never land, with an, with charges against you, but not bring you up those charges and bring it to a trial and give you a chance to defend yourself that you have a recourse, that even a private citizen has a recourse to demand that the uh, that the article the, the indictment against you be dismissed, if it's not going to be prosecuted in trial. Hawley's saying President Trump has at least that much right. The House can either bring the articles or they can forget about it, but they can't just leave it as they're trying to do now. Pelosi's trying to do now, leave it lingering over President Trump's head for the next eleven months until we get to election day in November. He's saying. They're not here. You know, if, if, the, if the resolution is embraced by it's a simple majority resolution, if the resolution is embraced by the Senate, Pelosi's forced to send the articles of impeachment over or the Senate's going to vote on them anyway. Brilliant tack by Senator Hawley. Other senators signed on. Thank goodness for that. OK, my friends, first of all, again, if you're looking at this, if you tune in late. Yes, I'm not in my regular studio in Dallas. We are visiting family in California. So I'm, this is my West Coast America Can We Talk studio. Um, it's kind of homespun, but hey, it's my show, and I don't ever, ever want to miss. I love doing the show every day. Love talking to you every day. So I now want to turn to talking with you and laying out for you why the stories we talked about today, why they matter to you. And so we'll start with our first story. We had uh, the Iranian Soleimani Street Theater. Do not be deceived. The Iranian malocracy is not supported by the Persian people. And the people as a whole do not mourn over the death of Soleimani. The Iranian malocracy is a totalitarian regime, orders businesses and schools to close, orders workers, teachers, and students to appear publicly to, quote, mourn Soleimani, will behead or otherwise torture and kill those who don't obey. The malocracy is mourning the loss of its military leader, also mourning loss of economic vitality due to the sanctions and of America's appeasement and the loss of control over the Iranian people. The people in Iran don't like their government. There is a need for continuing vigilance against Islamic terrorists, but the Iranian people are not rising in mass against America. 
on American investment empowering China, which we had a great guest with us, Kevin Freeman. Decades of ruling class arrogance and ignorance put a happy gloss on China. Backward country struggling to lift its billions of poor people up. Sure thing to mature into democratic norms and ideals through trade with the world. Loss of American manufacturing capabilities jobs were considered by many to be a small price to pay for helping lift China out. Reality is, communist China is and remains communist, godless, dictatorial, and with hostile to the West ambitions for world domination. Trade and engagement with the world can be a good thing, but it must never obscure the nature of communist China and its opposition to America and freedom. Therefore, Americans' investment dollars should not finance China's growth. On AOC and Bernie, the revolution, AOC and the campaign trail with Bernie in California, she is alluring to the arrogant. She's dangerous to America. Americans are witnessing a Democrat presidential campaign that is all-out socialist, openly calling for revolution, kind of like Cuba and Venezuela, let's not forget them, all in for the destruction of America as founded, manipulating the ignorant into racial malice and envy toward their fellow Americans, selling government-controlled society and economy, a free everything for everyone via forced wealth confiscation as justice and love. If America is destroyed by socialism, there will be no place on earth where people can live in freedom. This cannot be allowed to happen. And finally, get off the pot impeachment bill, which I love. We have, okay, we're one slide behind, I think, but getting off the, the pot impeachment bill uh, is the last one we have here. Pelosi's stalling tactics regarding an impeachment trial in the Senate only reinforces the utter sham of what the House Democrats have done. There were no grounds for impeachment of President Trump. They simply hate him. There is no urgency for the Democrats to act. Now they want to talk impeachment until Election Day. There's no desire for the full truth to come out in a trial because Democrat money laundering corruption in the Ukraine is exactly the kind of swamp behavior that won Trump the first election and will win the second. Senator Hawley is right to call Pelosi's bluff and the Senate will be right to dismiss this sham immediately. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?